Welcome to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we equip women of all walks of life to be extraordinary leaders. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We are the co-founders of Rayma Team, a life and leadership coaching company for women. Each week, we're going to have conversations about what we're overcoming, what we are learning, and what our guests are learning so that you can find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. What you've overcome makes you a leader, no matter what your title is. So grab your coffee and let's talk about it. Hey, Overcomers, welcome to another episode. Today, Rachel and I are so excited to welcome one of our guests to the show. And this is actually somebody that we had the honor of meeting at TEDx Bismarck. So our guest today is Katie Kimball. Katie is the national voice of healthy kids cooking. She is a blogger, a TEDx speaker, a former teacher, and mom of four kids who founded the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse recommended by the Wall Street Journal in 2020 as the best online cooking class for kids. Her blog, Kitchen Stewardship, helps families stay healthy without going crazy, and she's on a mission to connect families around healthy food and teach every child to cook as part of the kids' meal revolution. So Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Goodness, that sounds long for my short bio. I gotta gotta edit that thing, man. I had to practice it a few times because it's it, but it's good stuff in there. I love it. Well, thanks. (laughs) So, Katie, where are you joining us from today? I'm in Southwest Michigan. Okay, awesome. And that's where you live, or are you visiting there? Nope, that's where I live. Yeah, I grew up in the northern tip of Michigan in a town of about three thousand, and now in in the second largest metro area in Michigan. Perfect. Well, I know you and I had a chance to connect a little bit, and this is your ter- your first time meeting with Rachel. So um, we're excited to have a great conversation. And I think the very first question that we want to ask you today is what was it like to have the TEDx event canceled? And how did you redirect that into something positive in the meantime? Um, and even how did that shape your leadership through that whole experience? I know, man, I know everyone had disappointments in 2020. And and like you said, I have four kids and one of them is a teenager and gosh, did he miss so much, you know? So part of me wants to say, yeah, like it shouldn't have been a big deal, but then the postponement, but on the other hand, on the other hand, when you're working so, so hard for something. And I mean, as you know, our event was postponed nine days before. Yes. And I was, I'm like, I was done. Like I could have stepped on the stage that day and given the talk. And so it was, it was a crazy sense of like grief and loss and, and confusion. I just sort of walked around, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this speech. I don't know what to do with my days. Um, And so for me, like my biggest question was, what do I do with the speech itself? Do I put it on a shelf for a year? What if I don't even like it anymore? You know, and it was about a week afterward, I finally remembered to tell my speaking coach who I'd worked with the bad news. And she immediately wrote back. She said, gosh, Katie, I just think this speech was written for now for the pandemic and, and the and that parents need this information that they need to be inspired to get their kids in the kitchen. She's like, I think you should just film it and put it out there yourself. And I remember reading that on my phone standing up and I just sat down like on the arm of the couch and just sort of perched there like, well, the, it, it was almost hitting me like the cancellation was like, right. that's a bizarre and crazy idea. I don't know right. what to do with that idea. Um, 
but I did it. <laughs> so what was it like to put that together? And, and how did it feel to know that, okay, you were still going to be able to use that, you know, a year later, but how do you think it, it helped you grow and get the message out even more? Yeah. I mean, I started by just putting out feelers to see if it was possible logistically, right? I, I asked our TEDx organizer, like, can I use this again? You know, mm-hmm. if I use it once. Um, and actually she said yes. But then a couple of weeks later, someone else who is a former TEDx organizer said, uh, Katie, actually, if you release that online, you can't use the exact same one, maybe parts of it, but not the same one. So I was like, oh, like that kind of changed the decision. And I sent out some feelers to video crews to price it. And um, I was actually, it was actually the very day I should have been on stage when I got the call from our our local, beautiful, beautiful theater saying, yeah, we would love to do this for you. And we're going to charge you a hundred bucks for the stage. That's it. And I was like, why are you kidding me? Like, yeah, it suddenly seemed very possible and very doable. Um, So yeah, I filmed the whole thing myself. That was fraught with problems, the filming process. (laughs) Um, Just cameras had malfunctioned. We had to actually redo it (laughs) another time. But yeah, I ended up just releasing it myself, you know, on my own YouTube channel, posting a kind of a trailer on Facebook. And then I did what I planned to do with the real TEDx is just hit up every contact I know. And, you know, everyone I've ever networked with and say, hey, if this matters to you, can you share it? Um, And Mm -hmm. there were, there were some really interesting lessons learned. And a good reason why I did not reuse any parts of that speech this August. Really? So what, okay. So I have not had a chance to look at that video. Correct. Um, and I know I've heard um, what you did in Bismarck. Um, I can't wait to actually see it when it comes out because um, the day of, I could not focus on anybody's talk until I was <laughs> done with mine. I don't know. You right. were the first one that day. So you had the opportunity to enjoy the whole day after that. I totally Mm -hmm. did. It was so much more relaxing. So what, what are maybe two lessons that you learned through that experience that helped you make your talk better on the actual day of TEDx Bismarck? Yeah. So the first lesson I learned is that my topic was not a good one. My my original, yeah, big lesson. My original talk was titled the power of teaching kids to cook. And it's, I mean, it's a great speech. It's very powerful, but what I learned, at least what I, what I think I have sussed out from how it did, um, which was, which was underwhelming as compared to how I was hoping it would do, um, is that people who are excited about a talk called the power of teaching kids to cook probably already are teaching their kids to cook. But then when they share it, their friends who aren't teaching their kids to cook, see a title like that. And they're like, meh, right. Because Mm -hmm. I don't, many parents are not walking around or staying up at night with insomnia thinking, oh, I just want to teach my kids to cook. I don't know how, you know, so it was the wrong pain point. So that's why I completely switched up my topic. Um, Well, for two reasons, I also, as, as part of having a stage for a couple hours for a hundred bucks, I filmed a couple other little, you know, promo videos and little things and TEDx Hartford was adding because they were going virtual in 2020, they added 60 second mini talks. I thought, yeah, I'll just kind of riff and do like a little 60 second bit, a couple of them and pick the best ones, sent it in. And so they invited me to apply for TEDx Hartford 2021 and accepted me on the topic of picky eating, which is what I was going to use for TEDx Bismarck. So six weeks before I had to switch it a third time. Oh my God. I know. I know. It's <laughs> absolutely, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, so First, I learned it was not a great topic. It just wasn't the right pain point. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
the second lesson was just that anything is possible if you ask enough doggone questions to enough people. That's awesome. I know Mandy was asking me, um, you know, what notes I took because I was in the audience watching you guys that day. And I said, honestly, I said, I don't have many notes that day because you guys have, you know, such a short amount of time. And it's just like, you get wrapped up in the story and you're just like, I remember her and it was awesome. And she talked about critical thinking, but I didn't write anything down. And I cannot wait till the video comes out because I want to actually watch you guys all again, because I know there were things that, that um, I missed that day uh, on what you guys all shared. But yeah, it's, um, I love that you, I love that you shared that you redid it three, you know, ended up redoing it three times because I think so often as leaders and entrepreneurs, um, we forget that failure is one of the best ways to actually get to our greatest product or our greatest story. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know that we forget. We all know it, but we don't want to experience it because it's hard. Very true. (laughs) Yeah. We have to remind ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Probably the craziest part of the story is what I just learned yesterday. Um, because I, I have to pre-film my video for TEDx Hartford. And I'm like, great. I already know where the stage is and I've worked with the film crew, but I'm going to have to do it in one month from like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And I haven't started writing it yet. So that's going to be challenging yeah. and yeah. really good for me. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Isn't it awesome how these type of things, they really challenge your skills and they mm-hmm. make you level up a bit. Or a lot, a bit that they make you level up a lot, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful that I've been through the process twice. So like, at least I kind of know the flow and I know what, you know, where my strengths are and where I need to beg for help from others. Right, exactly. So Katie, um, what you have in your bio and some of the things that we were reading about you and know about you is you didn't actually start your professional life as an entrepreneur. So how did you end up starting your own business? And um, what was that process like for you to go from where you started in your professional life to where you are right now? I'm definitely a happenstance entrepreneur. It was all a happy accident that I'm really pleased took place. Um, I mean, I knew since I was in preschool that I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. And I went to college to be a teacher and I became a teacher. Like that all worked out. Um, But I also knew as a perfectionist that I could never be a full-time teacher and a a mom at the same time because I would fail in all the bad ways at both. Um, So I only taught for two years because then we started our family. And the reason I jumped into doing something else was because, well, when I had my second child three years later, I, I had been teaching like six hours a week, which was great. For me, it was great for my family balance. Um, and then that job kind of dried up when I had my second child. And I ran the numbers. We were still pretty young. I was like 26. And we were in the red mm-hmm. without my little bitty six-hour-a-week job. So I thought, oh, my goodness, do I need to sell Pampered Chef? Do I need to tutor? Do I need to find some kids to watch during the day? You know, like I clearly need to make up that couple thousand that I had brought in. Um, and I had a book idea. I'd been, I'd been getting into sort of real food and, and healthier living since I had my first child. And as a, as a teacher, naturally, as I'm standing at the cutting board, I'm constantly thinking how I would teach what I had learned from failure, from burning things and droopy bread. And, you know, I, oh my gosh, <laughs> I mean, I failed at everything in the kitchen the first time I tried it. And so I was always thinking like, how could I help other busy moms figure this out a little bit easier? How could I smooth it out for them? And so this idea of a book was in my head. 
I didn't know at the time that writing a book is a terrible way to make money <laughs> to support your family. And it is not quick at all. Um, right. but, oh. yeah. yeah. But it's another question opportunity. I'm apparently I'm such a questioner and I actually reached out to the editor of a tiny little niche magazine that I read with an email saying, well, how do I, how do I get started writing a book? No idea why I didn't just Google that. No idea why he actually answered. But this man with whom I've never had any contact before or since said, I really think you should just start a blog to see if there's even an audience for your idea. Mm. And this was 2008. I literally was like, what's a blog? I had no idea. And three months later, I had started my blog at Kitchen Stewardship. And then six months after that, I decided I never wanted to write a book because I love the interaction. I love the comments. I love building community and hearing what you know other women's struggles and, and what they were doing. And so... You know, that was how I started the blog, which didn't make any money at first either. But by year two, I was starting to see checks come in that were more than like $1.27 from Google AdSense and realizing, oh my goodness, this, this might even get bigger than, you know, the five grand a year or whatever I made teaching six hours a week. Um, and, then, and then it did. By year four or five, my husband left his job, left his okay. corporate job and came home. And now we're both entrepreneurs. <laughs> oh, That's wow. Awesome. Do you work together or do you have separate businesses? We we have definitely separate businesses, but his business serves my colleagues. He he ended up writing um software to make bloggers' lives easier. So his business is the blog fixer. And so I always joke that I do his marketing. Like I'll write emails for him because he's an introvert and he hates that. And then when I break things, he fixes them <laughs> on the tech side. <laughs> That's a good partnership to have. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So definitely different businesses, but we sort of dabble in one another's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So have you been doing this consistently then since 2008 and just building on it every single year? Yes. Yes, I have. And um, just really tucking it in at nap times and I'm a mm-hmm. night owl. So for the ill of my health, but the good of my business, I put in a lot of hours between 10 and two in the morning at first, right. not, not as much anymore. Now, I mean, now I feel like we, I run it like a real business. I have a team, you know, my kids are in school all day. And when they weren't the last few years, we had some childcare, but at first it was bootstrapping it like crazy. Yeah. I totally understand that. I did uh, most of my college education with babies around and we definitely built this company with uh, my three kids being very little. So as the company has grown and the kids have grown, so has my time to actually do things during the daytime, which is a whole new world um, for any moms listening who have been entrepreneurs. Many times we're doing the midnight oil um, in between kids sleeping or feeding or whatever. And then eventually we get to graduate into daytime hours. And that's that's a fun journey to be on. Yep, definitely. It's better. It's better this way. Although I still pull nighttime sometimes. And then I say, oh, that was not smart, Katie. You're not 30 <laughs> years old anymore. <laughs> I love how in this conversation, you are encouraging all of the women leaders who are leaders in their own home, but also leaders that want to um, start their own business and what it looks like. And even though like the social media world and the online world has changed some, but blogging is still so important and it's still the platform that you're in charge of um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you get to own all that content. And so I just think it's so encouraging to hear how you've done that. Um, and you have really created a course that 
is amazing. I mean, I know when you were here in Bismarck, when we met, a friend of mine that I've known for years was actually a student in your course. And I had no idea that the two of you knew each other. That was such a fun, yeah, that was so serendipitous. I love that. Yeah. So um, I want to know, what is something that you are currently overcoming and learning right now in real time? That um, many, 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 many things. So to put that in context, my kitchen Mm -hmm. is currently torn to bits in a remodel that's been three years in the making. And so as someone who cooks everything from scratch, that's like sucking a lot of my capacity. But Mm -hmm. on on the business side, and, and this is something I am constantly working on ever since 2008. It's just prioritizing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always 5 million things to do and, you know, five hours in which to do it. And so for me, you know, I'll hit these freeze moments where I'm just looking at my to-do list and I'm looking at my other to-do list and I'm looking at my, you know, online to-do list and I'm like, it's all too much. <laughs> what do I do first? And so that's, I think that's the biggest question for any entrepreneurs, which yes is the right Yes. Mm-hmm. And which no's are the necessary no's. And in the online world, it's so hard because you can, I can look back over my 12 years in, as an entrepreneur and say, wow, that random yes, or like that random, you know, networking opportunity or this person that, that I met sort of by chance or coincidence ended up starting a waterfall that led to an incredible opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, but it's such a, it's such a gamble. So I have a really hard time figuring out where to put my time and what to say yes to. What are some of the tools or resources that are helping you um, prioritize more right now as you try to figure that out? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, my team, I love my team to bits. (laughs) And being able to delegate things and and speed up some of the tasks that just have to get done every week, Um, Mm -hmm. even if I'm still involved, I'm usually able to do maybe 20% of the task and then pass it off. So that's huge in opening up larger chunks of time. Um, and, and I'm, I'm fairly good at taking statistics and, and, you know, figuring out like the data. I'm just really bad at interpreting the data Mm. because I always ask too many questions. Oh, wait, oh, maybe (laughs) that was because it was June instead of November. Maybe we're not comparing apples to apples. So I do, I do have a really hard time um, and sometimes you just have to say yes to that, which you enjoy. Like I would much rather be mm-hmm. chatting with you ladies than, than typing, you know, an email in my funnel. Mm-hmm. So I chose this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is my yes for today. I totally understand that. And one of the things um, I was curious about, because you said team, and I know probably many of our listeners are too, we're always curious about what is really happening beside, behind the scenes and other entrepreneurs' businesses. So tell me, what is your team? What's the size of your team? And you know who do you have with you? And maybe what was the first person you added to your team besides your husband? Yeah, so I all my team members are um, drawn from my own audience. They're all people who read my blog. And who saw my job posting. And, and I've, I've learned that from failure over the years too, that I, I hire for mission first and I teach the skills. Because okay. if, if someone's on my team and they're not behind my mission, uh, things fall apart really quickly. Mm-hmm. I learned that from failure. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a, a COO project manager. I have an executive assistant. Um, I have an affiliate manager because my product has affiliate commission. And so she helps manage all those other bloggers. Um, right. I have a site editor who is in charge of content to kind of taking what I do and cleaning it up and making it Mm -hmm. look good. Um, I know I'm missing someone. Oh, I have a social media manager. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and sometimes people rotate in and out as far as like, if we have a big project transcription um, or uploading a new course, right. stuff like that. So they're all um, work at home moms. They work between three. Oh, and I have two, two on my customer service team. I knew I was missing someone. <laughs> so like one of my customer service team members, she just works like three or four hours a week. Okay. But, she, but she's been a blog reader since 2009 and she's just, she loves just being here <laughs> in our, in our little community. Um, so really, yeah, up to like maybe 10, 15 hours a week. So it okay. sounds like a big team, but nobody's really anywhere close to full-time. And you right. asked the okay. first person I added, it was, it was a blog reader and I, I had her, um, oh, I had her editing my first ebook was the very first person like that I ever paid right. to do work. And actually, I don't know if I even paid her for the first ebook. I might have, <laughs> I might have like, paid her for the second. I think she just did it as a friend. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first thing. And then social media, like I would write my own social media and have someone else post it through Hootsuite. That was the second big thing. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I know definitely for Mandy and I, like, uh, you know, Figuring out which tasks you're actually good at, but you also love to do um, was something that when we rebranded our company, we were really cognizant of because for Mandy and I, because there's already two of us, um, we can delegate quite a bit. So we tend to do more of the contracted workers and and not so much staff that's on full time, depending on a project, that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, it was really interesting to finally sit down and be like, okay, I'm actually good at this, but I hate it. So I don't want to do it anymore. And so, you know, the idea of talking to somebody instead of writing an email, um, that speaks to me because that would probably be my, um, I would probably be the one writing the email and Mandy would be the first one to be like, let's go talk to people. Yes, <laughs> like, that's how um, it would be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go, if you're going to go, I will go with you. Um, but yeah, so it takes, it takes a whole team and, and a variety of people with a bunch of different skill sets to make it work. So thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I take, I'm just starting business coaching as well. And I take my coaching clients through that process, like a mm. like, love, loathe, yeah. three, three <laughs> column list and just brain dump everything to try to figure out, yeah, what can I delegate to a new hire? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, so we like, oh, I have, ahead, I have one final question real quick before oh, okay. we go into the, to the, um, like lightning round of fun questions. Um, Katie, I am wondering whatever made you decide to want to be a TEDx speaker? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I, well, I, because I love, I do love speaking and it, it fills me up to speak in front of an audience. And so I've, I've built up over the past probably three or four years trying to do more speaking. And it's just really a, it's kind of a tough field to break into. And so you know, I've done some like mops groups locally and, mm-hmm. and I've done quite a bit of television media and podcasts. But what I found, especially with TV, is that it doesn't translate. People don't, I mean, I know people have their phones out while they're watching TV, but apparently they never like go and take the free gift that I'm offering because TV media just never translated into followers. So I thought, all right, I'm, I'm building a resume for something. What, what is it going to be? Like, how do I really get the message out in a national way on a platform where, you know, me speaking could potentially go viral. And so I heard a, I heard a speaker talk about his TEDx experience and I was like, you know what, that's going to be the next the next goal. Maybe that's what I built, you know, this media resume mm-hmm. for. So um, you and I had talked a little bit about, we had just emailed each other about, you know, scheduling this podcast um, interview. And I had mentioned how I, 
maybe you mentioned it. I can't remember who mentioned it first, but we mentioned about how like we woke up the next day after TEDx and just felt like, what now? Like what, Mm -hmm. what now? And just kind of, you called it the TEDx hangover. And I was like, yes, that's what it is. So first of all, thank you for joining me in that. um, I don't want to call it a pity party, but it's definitely like an unexpected low that took me by surprise. So I was glad to know that I wasn't the only one at that type of a party. Um, But what was it like for you to accomplish that goal? And then now it's done. Well, I mean, now you have another one coming up, but maybe you didn't have that right away. So yeah, it really, um, well, I just knew that I had some time before the other one. I didn't have to think about it. I think, I think the TEDx hangover for us, for me at least was compounded by the fact of it being summer and, and wanting to just go to the lake and and be outside, but it's, it's a sheer cliff. It -hmm. is a sheer cliff drop off because when you are preparing for what you hope, what you hope to be like the pinnacle point in your whole career, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, yep. you're going to put time, energy, and effort into every single day, weekend mm-hmm. or weekday leading up to that event. I mean, you're constantly practicing your speech. You know, I, for me, I like made sleep goals and I removed inflammatory foods from my diet for a number of weeks. Like I prepare in a very serious way. <laughs> and when, when it was over, it was totally, again, it was like a like a sense of loss and confusion. I, mm-hmm. On the way home, I was in the airport walking from one gate to the other. And, and I, like you, I almost started practicing my speech. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. What do I do with my brain? Right? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my, my brain time. And then, you know, I got home and I looked at my work to-do list and I thought, nah, I don't, I don't like any of that stuff. I don't want to do any of that right now. <laughs> yeah. And that just lasted for a really long time. So I felt validated when you said you felt the same way. So yeah, again, thank you for being at the, the hangover pity party with me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I, you know, I would be interested to ask all the other Bismarck speakers too, if they felt that. Um, it was funny because earlier this week I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep. And so I was trying to fall back to sleep. And usually when that would happen leading up to TEDx, I would start practicing my talk and somewhere in the middle, I would just fall asleep. And so, um, like I would just challenge myself to go all the way through it. I wasn't paying attention to time or anything. It was mostly just memorization. And sure enough, I would, I would never make it all the way through because I would fall asleep. And, um, the other night I started doing that and I'm thinking to myself, why am I even doing this? Like, I bet I, it's not happening. This has just become my thing. Now I just say my TEDx talk when I can't fall asleep. So it was weird. And I, I had to sit there and ask myself, like, what, what is my next goal? And I, I haven't completely figured it out yet, but I, something that you were saying about you thinking, you know, this would be a potentially viral thing. Um, one of my main goals from like the last decade was to someday speak at the global leadership summit. Have you ever, have you ever, um, heard of that before? No, but it sounds great. So <laughs> I totally it, think you should do it. It's a summit that is put on by the Willow. Is it the Willow Creek Association, Rachel, or the church? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's the association. Now I think it started I think, yeah. at the church and then blew up into this it's, big global movement. It's been this big global movement for quite like since, mm-hmm. I don't know, early 2000s, because I think I was first introduced to it in 2008. And back then I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could do that? I heard John Maxwell speak one time and that was kind of my first introduction into the world of personal growth and development. 
And that was my original goal was like, I would love to speak on that stage someday. How do you get there? And I think I started noticing that a lot of times they were having people who maybe were TEDx speakers, like they had Brene Brown speak. They've had some other people speak that were discovered, quote unquote, in in avenues such as TEDx or other viral and national things. And so I think that's why I woke up one day like I should be a TEDx speaker because I literally woke up like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Like I had no idea what TEDx even was. I had never been to one, barely ever watched them. Like I had heard of them and watched a few here and there, but I wasn't like all in on the community of it. And so three years ago, that's when I was like, I should maybe go to one first and experience it and see what it's like. And you had one right in your town? That's we like, did. Incredible. We had one right in our town, and I didn't even know it. So until I think back then it would have been their third year, maybe their second okay. or third year. Um, so yeah, it was quite the experience, and I'm really thankful for it. But now I need new goals because that is over and done. And it was such a long time frame, too. It's not normal to wait what mm-hmm. a year and a half right. to give one. <laughs> Right. Our extra year, it was, yeah. it was very long. And then, and also, and what most people don't understand is that, you know, you do the TEDx and you're sharing probably on your own social media. Yay, I did my TEDx. And nobody gets it that the video doesn't come out right away. No, they don't. Right. Countless yep. people keep saying, well, where's your, where's your talk? I want to watch it. Can I share it? And I'm like, yes, but we have to be patient for months. Right. I'm like, <laughs> again. I think my mom, um, which love you, mom. Thank you for sharing this. I think she had told somebody, oh, it should be out next week. But she didn't ask me that. She was just assuming. And we didn't know. Like, I didn't know until they told us the day before, like how Mm -hmm. long it would take for um, editing and production Mm -hmm. and all that. And it's like 10 to 12 weeks, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the TED platform has to approve it, which may take a month or two. I did know that before, but it doesn't make it any easier to wait. No. And right. somebody texted me this week saying, how many more weeks? I'm like, too many. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the weird part too, is we don't actually know when it will come out. No, so I feel like you kind of want to, you want to prep, you maybe want to do some media coming up to it, but you have no idea. It's not like a book launch. No, not at all. You don't mm-hmm. have a date. And I don't think they're going to give us like a, Hey, it'll be out next week. I think we'll get the email and it'll be like, here's the link. <laughs> that's what I'm guessing too. Yeah. yeah. It'll be. It's as a planner, you know, as an entrepreneur where you plan your months and you have your projects, Mm -hmm. it's awkward at best. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I know. I think I asked Mandy, I was like, do you get to know ahead of time or is it like an email with a link? Like, how do we know that it's out there for the world um, to see? So that's definitely uh, something that we were not prepared for either as entrepreneurs and, and planning our months and everything like that. So, um, uh, Mandy, did you have any other final questions? Okay. Well, uh, Katie, I want to thank you so much for sharing everything you've shared, the entrepreneur journey that you've had and how you've become such a leader and influencer in, uh, the space for, um, kids cooking and all of that. And so we do have some final questions we like to ask our guests. And we tell you guys just to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, But yeah, so here's the first one. So the first one is, what does an extraordinary leader look like to you? I I see a good leader as someone who really sees everyone that's that's supposedly underneath them, right? Who, Who understands, who asks questions who would never ask um, someone underneath them or someone that they're leading to do something they wouldn't do themselves. You know, I've, I've seen CEOs jumping in on customer service 
during a launch. And, and I thought that that was a good example for me. Like everyone is on deck, you know, and um, as an entrepreneur, personally, I think it's really important to give a lot of grace to the human beings, you know, who mm-hmm. work for you. And, and I'm a, I'm a leader as a mom too. And it's kind of horrible to say, but sometimes I'm worse at giving my kids grace than I am with my team. So it's good. That, that's good for me to like, remember that and think about it. Um, and probably most importantly, leading with love and respect and never fear. Awesome. Great good. answer. Uh, what book has impacted you as a female leader the most? I wish I had time to read more books. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it was about five years ago. I read The Third Alternative by Stephen Covey. Um, and ironically, okay. I've not read The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, which is Stephen Covey's very, very famous book. Um, but The Third Alternative is so good. It's about um, it's about making decisions together and how most people think there are two choices, my way and your way. And the third alternative is somewhere in the middle that is not a compromise, that doesn't ask either party to give anything up, but that is somehow thinking out of the box and finding a brand new win-win solution. And Mm -hmm. I think especially in 2020, 2021, I've been thinking about those principles a lot more. That sounds interesting. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Okay. So Final question is, if you were a shoe, what kind of shoe would you be? And what does what story does that tell about you? <laughs> Probably the opposite of what Mandy says, which I'm guessing is uh, stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it I is. Would, it is. I wouldn't be whatever the human being listening is their most like comfy shoe that they okay. want to wear all the time. But that there's something unique about that shoe. Either it looks a little crazy or, or like my favorite shoes right now are minimalist shoes that help you feel the ground. Like, so they're kind of out of the mainstream, right? It's because I'm okay. always, that's me. I'm like, I want to be totally real and just, you know, let other people know that I'm, I am just like you, even if we're really, really different, but I'm always going to be a little bit unique, a little bit out there, you know, seeking something out of the mainstream. That's amazing. I love, love that. Oh, well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure to have you on our show. And you have put together a special link for our overcomers. So can you tell us a little bit about how they can connect with you and what they can find at this um, link when they come meet you? You bet. Just head to kidscookrealfood.com slash she who overcomes. And I, I know that your audience is kind of more diverse. Usually I'm just talking to parents or entrepreneurs. So there's some, it's like a choose your own adventure there. You can actually watch that DIY TED talk that I did since we chatted about that, or parents can get a free gift from my kids cooking class or entrepreneurs can get a free gift about how I delegate email and how I, how I manage that. Cause I know that's a big, people are always saying like, well, I don't know. No, no one else can do my email. That's impossible. So I kind of walk you through some steps. Awesome. Or if if you want to do all three of those options, go for it. We encourage you to do that, Overcomers. Um, And you can um, find Katie on Instagram and on Facebook under Kids Cook Real Food. And we'll be sure to put the links for all of that in our show notes as well. So, all right, Overcomers. Well, that is our show this week. We want to remind you to rise up, lead well, and live with intention this week. And we will be with you again next week with a brand new topic. Talk to you later. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media. 
a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.